God, we love you. We thank you for who you are, for what you've done, especially this Christmas season, God. We're reminded and we reflect on the coming of your son, Jesus, God. We know that, that your son came because of your love for us. And so, God, would we, uh, as, we, as we dive into this series and we talk about hope for the next four weeks, God, would we just find ourselves so immersed in your love and your grace and your hope? God, would you speak through me this morning? Don't let it be my words that are speaking, but, but just let it be your words through, through, through me, God, speaking to your people. We all came to hear from you this morning. We don't want to hear from me. We want to hear from you, God. We, we desire your presence in this place. We love you. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. We are starting a new series this morning. It goes along with the devotionals, uh, and I encourage you, uh, once again, to get a devotional, uh, and especially if you have kids, get your kids the kids' devotional. It's a, great, uh, it's a great devotional for the kids, all kinds of stuff to do in there. There's an app that you can get that goes along with it that'll teach them some songs, and it's a great thing. And so I encourage you to, to be involved in the devotional, uh, but that's just a piece of what we're doing over this Christmas season. I'm, I'm going to be preaching through a series called A Thrill of Hope as you are going through the devotional, as you are going through the, the reading plan, and we are essentially going to immerse ourselves into this idea of hope this Christmas, as we, as we go through this Advent season, what does it mean to hope? And so we are, we're going to talk about the anticipation of hope. We're going to talk about the way of hope, the generosity of hope, the promise of hope. And I want to just, again, personally invite you on Christmas Eve here at 6 o'clock as we talk about the arrival of hope. And so I want to I wanna encourage you, get involved, read the devotional, be in the devotional, but come on the weekends as well as we continue this, this talk, as we kind of immerse ourselves in this idea of hope, this Advent. But today I want to talk about the anticipation of hope. This, this phrase, anticipation, this idea of anticipation is a very common idea during this Christmas time. I remember, and hopefully you do as well as a kid, just the anticipation of Christmas morning. I remember if there were, if there were presents, I don't even say under the tree, if there were presents in the house and they were wrapped, man, I, was, I had a nose for that. Like I would find it no matter where it was, and I would lift up every corner that I could to just try and find just a glimpse of what might be dead spot sorry of what that gift might be I just wanted to catch a glimpse of what it was I I had so much anticipation for Christmas morning and so we would wake up really early on Christmas morning and and because we just we couldn't sleep why couldn't we sleep because the anticipation is killing me right I want to get up and I want to open these presents I want to play with what we got I want to I want to do all of this maybe you have been there Maybe you have kids and you're there right now going through that with them. Maybe you have grandkids and you're going through that with them right now. But I think we can all come to grips with this idea of anticipation at Christmas. This idea of hope at Christmas. That just I hope I get fill in the blank. For me it was I hope I get a Sega Genesis, right? I hope I get a Barry Sanders jersey. I hope that I get, you know, fill in the blank for you. But there's just this the sense of hope, the sense of anticipation even as we go through this this Christmas season. It's not a foreign feeling. I think hopefully hopefully you know exactly what I'm talking about. I want you to just if you can just try and try and Get yourself to be able to feel inside of you this, this, 
this sense of hope, this anticipation that you felt. Maybe it was as a kid. Maybe you're seeing it through, through your kids or your grandkids. Just, I want you to have in mind this sense of hope and anticipation as we keep going this morning. And as you, as you, as you have this in mind, I want to read through two different passages that are really giving the same message to, to two different groups of people. The first passage this morning is in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 8 is where we're going to start. Uh, and we are, we're going we're gonna to read for a little bit in there. But this is written to a nation in what seemed like hopeless times. Now, this song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, is a perfect song as we jump into this passage here. O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Ransom captive Israel. This is written to a place that seemed like it was in hopeless time. There was war, there was famine, there was darkness. But this passage is all about hope. I want to read this for you this morning. Isaiah chapter 8. If you are in one of our pew Bibles, it's on page 593. Isaiah chapter 8, starting at verse 19. When someone tells you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? Consult God's instruction and the testimony of warning. If anyone does not speak according to this word, they have no light of dawn. Distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land, and when they are famished, they will become enraged, and looking upward will curse their king and their God. Then they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom, and they will be thrust into utter darkness. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. I want to just... I mean, that first piece right there is, I think, one of the most depressing pieces in all of Scripture. I, just even the phrases that are used, this, this darkness, this fearful gloom, utter darkness. But Isaiah comes in and he says, hold on now, just wait, because this isn't how it has to be. There is hope for you. There is hope even in the midst 
of this darkness. There is hope. There's no more gloom. There's no more darkness. There is joy. There is rejoicing. There is freedom. The yoke is broken. We, the, there is a new dawn. There is a new light. And this hope is found in a baby. This hope is found in a baby boy whose name we know now as Jesus. But he gives this baby four other names. And I think the names that he gives this baby talk about and, and kind of give us a feel for the hope that Isaiah is giving these people who are in darkness, who are in this fearful gloom. These names that he gives are important. And we know these names. I mean, they're on artwork and they're on coffee mugs and they are everywhere that we look during this Christmas time, it seems. like You can't go to Lifeway and not see just wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, just posted everywhere because that's who Jesus is. We know that now. But these names in Scripture... The names that Isaiah gives here are much deeper than, than what you would see just written on a coffee mug. These aren't just names. There is deeper meanings to every single one of these. And I want to just, just quickly go through what each of these would have meant. This, this name, Wonderful Counselor, the, the original language here says Pele Yoez. The word Pele is literally a word to tell you that there are no words to express this. He is a wonderful counselor. Not only is he just a wonderful counselor, he is too wonderful for words. There aren't enough words in our language to talk about how wonderful this counselor is. That's what Yoaz means. Yoaz is counselor. It means guide, to advise. We have a wonderful counselor. Wonderful, too, too wonderful for words. This is a counselor that is not just up high, lofty in his seat in heaven, looking down, just waiting to, waiting to advise us. But he, he, becomes, he becomes human. He becomes a man. Hebrews chapter 4, we read it last week, that he is not, he's not <clears throat> unable to empathize with us, but he... He came and he was a human. He was tempted in every single way, but he did not sin. See, we don't just have, he's not just a wonderful counselor because, because he is all-knowing. He's not just a wonderful counselor because he is God. He's not just too wonderful because of that. He is a counselor. He is, he is qualified to advise and to guide us in our life. Not just because of who he is, but because of what he's done. He came down and lived as a human being, just like you and just like me. And so this is why he can advise. He, he is the best counselor. There are not enough words to advise, or there, there are not enough words to describe how wonderful this counselor is. Now you can imagine to a people walking in darkness, to a people whose lives can be described by the words utter darkness and fearful gloom. To have a wonderful counselor. Someone who understands what they are going through. Someone who can guide them. Someone who can advise them. Someone that they can go to who understands. There's one word for that. people living in darkness, they have a wonderful counselor. They have a mighty God. I think we can all kind of 
come to come to grips with what this means to have a mighty God. We have a God who is all-knowing. We have a God who is omnipresent, which means he is everywhere at all times. We have a God who is all-powerful. This is this is who is coming to these people who is who are living in darkness, who are living in fearful gloom. I mean, Jeremiah 32 is a great example of this. Jeremiah 32, 17, Jeremiah is praying and he just says, Ah, sovereign Lord, you have, have made heaven and you have made earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. Then he says these words in 32, 17, Nothing is too hard for you. Nothing is too hard for you. We have a mighty God. This is, this is this baby, this child who is born to these people who are in utter darkness and fearful gloom. They not only have a wonderful counselor, one who is with them, one who understands what they're going through, but they have a mighty God, one who is all-powerful and all-present and all-knowing. We have the same mighty God. Nothing is too hard for you. I mean, for those living in fearful darkness and, and fearful gloom, what does that look like? That is... That's hope. Everlasting Father. Now you can't look at this phrase any way else except through the lens of your earthly father sometimes. Earthly fathers aren't always the best. Some of us have had good experiences. Some of us have had bad experiences with our dads. But I want us to see this phrase through the word everlasting he is not just a, a father who is with us now he is everlasting he was and is and is to come and and what what is what is a father there for i mean this passage is saying that we have not just an everlasting counselor or a guy to you know, help from outside. That's not a mighty God who's just outside, but we have, we have an intimacy here with this child. He's an everlasting father. A father shows compassion. Jeremiah 29 says we have a hope and a future. A father is satisfied in you. A father loves you, and we have an everlasting father. A father who loves you, a father who is proud of you, a father who, who shows compassion on you, a father who is satisfied with you. There is an intimacy here in this phrase, everlasting father, to where to those living in darkness, to those living in fearful gloom, there's, there's hope in this. Prince of Peace. The, the words here are sar shalom. That's what, this, that's what the original language says, Sar Shalom. Sar just means the one in charge. The one in charge. This is where we get the word Tsar and Caesar and all those words. You can think about that. The, the Sar Shalom, he is the, the Prince of Peace. He is the one in charge of peace. Shalom is actually a greeting. It's a greeting that people would say to each other. They would, they would greet each other with this word Shalom. And what that meant was, may you have rest and tranquility peace 
and wholeness and restoration. That's what this is an image of. That this child who is coming is the one who, who is in charge of rest and tranquility and wholeness and restoration and peace. Is there anything else that these people living in fearful gloom and utter darkness would have needed? No. This child that we read about in Isaiah chapter 6 that we now know as Jesus because we, I mean, we have the New Testament. This is, a, this is a prophecy, and not just a, this is a prophecy of hope. This is a prophecy of hope to those who need hope the most. I mean, you can just see as, as, as Isaiah is, is talking about this, to those living in darkness, that a light is here. A light is, a light is born. A child is born. A son is given. And, and everything will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You can imagine just the anticipation and the hope that comes as they hear these words. Man, Isaiah, we're sitting in darkness. I mean, just, just the fact that their lives can be, can be described by the phrases utter darkness and fearful gloom. I mean, they hear these words from Isaiah. And it's like they're under the Christmas tree trying to peek the corners. Like, what does this even look like? Now, you can imagine the anticipation. You can imagine the hope that just springs up and that is bubbling up in these people as they await the coming Messiah. Now, as our Advent reading said this morning, we find ourselves today on the other side of this promise. Jesus has come. Jesus has come, and not only has he come, Jesus has, has lived the life that, that we couldn't live. He died the death that we deserve to die. All right, this, is, this is Jesus. Jesus has come. He has fulfilled his purpose here on earth. But we still... Find our hope in Jesus. Because just as those in darkness and fearful gloom had hope that Jesus was coming, we know that Jesus came, but we also have hope that once again Jesus is coming. That's what Advent is all about. Advent is all about awaiting the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Yeah, He came once. We celebrate that at Christmas. We celebrate the coming of Jesus Christ who came to, to, to die for our sins and to be raised again that we might live eternally with our Father in heaven. This is why Jesus came. We celebrate the, the birth of Jesus this Christmas. But we also, during Advent, we await the coming of Jesus again. There's another passage in the end of Luke, Luke chapter 21, that I want to I go to this morning. Luke chapter 21, it's on page 905 if you're in one of your pew Bibles. This is a passage that a lot of times when you read it, can, can just, it just feels a little scary. It's easy to get fearful when you read passages like this. It's, it's Jesus talking about the end times. But I, I want to read this to you. Luke chapter 21 we're going to start this morning at verse 25 and just read about the second coming. 
When Christ shall come again and the kingdom of God is revealed, the kingdom of God reigns. And what a day that will be. Starting at verse 25, there will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. He told them this parable. (coughs) Look at the fig tree and all the trees. For when they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer (coughs) is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Be careful, or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life, and that day will close on you suddenly like a trap, for it will come on all those who live in the face of the whole earth. Be always on watch, and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen, and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. Now you read this passage, and you think, Why in the world are you reading this passage on Christmas in Advent? It's not a happy passage, Pastor Chris. It's talking about the end times. This is not something to to mess around with here. This is not something to just bring up out of... I'm not just bringing this up out of nowhere. This is talking right here about the second coming of Jesus. And sometimes we read these passages. We read this and we read things like, Revelation and Matthew 24, we read things like this. We're, we're reading about the end times and we have a tendency to become fearful. But God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power. We don't have to be fearful as we read these words. I mean, you look at verse 28, and Jesus isn't trying to scare us. Jesus isn't trying to, to instill fear in the ears of those who hear this. Here's, here's what he says in verse 28. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your head, because your redemption is drawing near. What is this? This is hope. This is hope. That on that day, whenever that day may come, that we can stand up and lift up our heads because our redemption is near. See, Advent and the coming of Christ is about hope and anticipation. This this scripture says, always be on watch. Right, we be anticipate the coming of Christ, anticipate the second coming. We, we come and we hope in the same way that those people who heard the words of Isaiah hoped and anticipated the coming of the Messiah. We today, in 2018, we hope and anticipate the coming of our Messiah. It is not the first coming. Jesus has already come. He has already died. He has already risen from the grave so that we might live eternally with our Father in heaven. But we await and we anticipate a second coming where Christ comes again and we are redeemed. 
and the purpose of, of Christ's coming, that we might live eternally with our Father in heaven, is fulfilled. This is hope. See, Advent is more than just about looking back 2,000 years or so to a baby in a manger. That's about more than just looking back to the star in the sky and the shepherds and the wise men. We'll do that. It's about more, it's more than just looking back to, to the census and no room at the end and We'll do that too. But as we begin Advent, I want us to look forward with anticipation and with hope for the second coming of Christ. Advent is all about the coming of Christ. And we just say this prayer over and over this Advent. Come Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. May it be so. May it be true. This Advent. Let's pray. God, we love you. And this season of Advent is all about just awaiting your coming. God, there are, there are two different ways that we look at this. We look back and we are so thankful that you came. We look back and we celebrate the coming of your son Jesus. But, but God, this morning especially as we begin our Advent, we look forward. And we look forward to the second coming of Christ where, where we have hope in redemption, that we have hope in salvation, that we have hope that we will reign eternally with you, God. This is what we await and we anticipate. We have hope in this moment, God. And so this morning we just say, come, Lord Jesus. This Advent we say, come, Lord Jesus. Just as those that Isaiah spoke to said God, we wait in eager anticipation for you. This Christmas season, would we'll we'll we be constantly reminded of your coming? That the reason that we come to celebrate is because you came. We celebrate Christmas because you were born, because you came to earth for us. God, may we not lose sight of that this Advent season, this Christmas season. We love you. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? And let me just say a word of blessing over you. And also, as I'm praying, I will pray for our food so that you can just go in and start digging in. But let me just say this. Prayer blessing over you. May our God, our God, the the mighty God, the wonderful counselor, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, may He go with you and ahead of you this week, wherever you may find yourself, that you might find yourself 
just saying these words, come Lord Jesus, and that he would just remind you of his coming, past and future. Would this sense of hope and anticipation just fill you this season of Advent, that you might make a difference wherever you find yourselves. Go in the peace of Christ this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.